Hello all, uh, welcome to another episode of uh, DirectShift Stories. Um, this is Raj, your host, and today we have uh, Dennis Strang with us. Um, Dennis uh, is the creator of uh, People of Pathology. He had amazing journey for a couple of decades in the world of pathology. Um, in fact, he uh, is working as pathologist assistant for uh, close to two decades, I would say, close to 18 years now. Right. And for past three plus years, he had worked at Wisconsin uh, Diagnostic Laboratories in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, so Dennis also serves as one of the board of trustees for American Association of Pathology Assistants and is the CFO of the board of the trustees. Dennis, welcome. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So... I would uh, request um, anybody who is watching this live or if you're watching the replay, do let us know in the comments as to anything that would uh, specifically interest you. So, Dennis, um, to begin with, uh, I'm a little excited about the kind of podcast which you already had done. And the one question which would always be in my mind is with respect to how you plan, how you schedule or probably how, what kind of research you do uh, in terms of continuing with the people of pathology podcast. I'm, I'm very excited about the number of downloads too. So could you please share yeah. us your journey as to uh, what keeps you going with the people of pathology podcast and uh, with everything? Uh, yeah, the so the podcast started, I think I first had the idea for it in sometime in the summer of, uh, 2019. And, uh, I was talking with a friend of mine, who's also a pathologist assistant. And we were taught just talking about podcasts because we were both, uh, you know, we, we both listened to a lot of the same ones and, and we, we were talking about how there really wasn't one for, for people like us, for, for people in pathology that worked in the medical laboratory. Um, and, she said, well, you should start one. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh, okay. And, uh, she said, well, you know, what sort of format would you want it to have? And a lot of my favorite, uh, podcasts are interview based. Um, and I, I like that kind of thing, just kind of learn more about the, the people. And some of them are, you know, authors and things like that. And they tell their story about how they wrote the book and those kind of things. So that's the kind of format I wanted to use. And she said, well, I, you know, I'm working on a book right now. You could interview me for practice, you know, just to get the hang of it. And so I said, all right. So I started researching, well, what, what do you need? You need, you know, a microphone, right? You need, you know, headphones, some way to record. And I just started doing some research and I found out that it wasn't that hard. Um, and the equipment that you needed, I mean, the microphone I have is like $70 on Amazon or something like that. Um, you know, the, the software to record, uh, was, you know, it's cheap. There's lots of options for things like that right now. And then some way to edit it. And then, uh, you know, you know, a, a hosting platform, things like that. So I found out these things were not that hard. Uh, they weren't that expensive, but they weren't that hard to use. So we uh, picked a time, we did the interview, and that was the, you know, that was the first episode. And um, if you listen to it, because it's still up on the uh, hosting site, it doesn't yeah. sound great, you know. Um, 
but it, it, it was a start. So, okay. uh, yeah. So that, that's how it started. Um, yeah. It, I, and do you also play any, uh, musical instrument? I'm just asking because you started summer of 2019. <laughs> I, I do actually, I, I play guitar. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. So that was a little bit of the, the sound part of it. I was already used to, you know, you, you record yourself playing whatever the garage song. sound. Yeah. The garage, yeah. um, garage band. Sonic. Yeah, the GarageBand player, the software. Right. Uh, if uh, I mean, people with uh, the background in sound or people in uh, with background in post-production would understand what we are uh, speaking. Normally, it would be tough for any clinician out there to understand what GarageBand is. Um, somebody who has their own private practice wouldn't know the technical details of uh, sound production or the audio-video production. Right. So... That's that's awesome, Dennis. In fact, um, okay, that's uh, one of the best ways to begin because at some point you have to start. Mm -hmm. um, so could you please share us, uh, now coming back to the clinical world because we at DirectShifts help clinicians connect to employers uh, with the power of technology by using our AI job board. Um, again, um, uh, we keep telling many um, uh, of our guests that Artificial intelligence is one of our uh, key element, uh, one of our core, core strengths with the kind of technology um, uh, software which we had we, which we had created. So could you please share us, um, why did you choose the world of pathology? I know you've been working as a pathology assistant, but what intrigued you to get into this world of pathology? <laughs> That's actually a funny story. I, I went to college, I uh, majored in biology. And at the time I wanted to get into microbiology. I remember, and I, I tell this story to a lot of people in, uh, one of the biology classes, there was a unit or a chapter or whatever it was in one of the lab classes on histology. And so we looked at, we examined organs and we looked at microscopic slides. And I remember thinking, this is stupid. Why would anyone want to do this for a job? <clears throat> It turns out that's what I do for, for a job. Um, so I kind of, I, I got out of college and I ended up getting a job in a hospital lab in the histology department as a lab assistant. Um, didn't know anything about histology, um, but I found the, then, then I was working with a pathologist assistant. And she would show me some things and I would ask her questions, you know, what, what are you doing there with that organ and why are you cutting it that way? And what are you looking for? And things like that. And, um, she started teaching me some things and then I learned how to, um, kind of the slang word we use is grossing. So it's gross examination, um, or microscopic examination of the specimen. So we just call it grossing. That's what everybody, what everybody calls it. And she, so she started teaching me how to gross uh, you know, biopsies and, and things like that, smaller specimens. And that's kind of how I started. And then when she, she left, she took a, a job somewhere else. And, um, the pathologists that were there at the time, they said, you know, they, they noticed that I was interested and, uh, they said, you know, we can, we can teach you some of this stuff. Um, you know, the rest of how, how to do the rest of these, the more complicated specimens, uh, and so, so they did. And at that time, um, so right now to be a pathologist assistant, it's a master's degree program and wow. it, there's, yeah. Um, and 
but at the time when I did this, so this was early 2000s. Oh, and okay. You could learn on the job. It was like th you had to train for three years under a pathologist, and then uh, you were eligible to take the exam, the same exam at, that the people that graduated from the programs okay. also, also took. So that's what I did at the time. I learned on the job um, and then, you know, took the exam and passed the exam, and, and that was it. Um, so did we interview this person uh, who gave you the opportunity to become a pathologist so far on uh, on people of pathology? No, no, uh, but I am I am still in touch with her. Okay, probably we should hear um, her story as well, uh, because many of many of us as kids or teenagers, it's always our parents who would influence us to take up the profession. But I yeah. would suggest probably this would be uh, one of your mentors or great teachers or somebody yeah. who gave you the opportunity and opportunity is always a great beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for over two decades or probably 17, 18 years, I know how it had changed your life. It uh, really so has. It was, it was just a matter of I was in the right place at, at the right time and took advantage of the opportunity that I, that kind of fell into my lap. Um, so, yeah. And it's, it's interesting though, that, you know, most of the, pretty much all of the interviews that I do on the people of pathology podcast, they start with kind of everybody's sort of origin story. You know, how did you get interested in pathology? How did you, whether they're a pathologist or, or, or a pathologist assistant like me and, or, you know, anybody else, how did you get started? So that's always, I always enjoy that, that part. And I, you know, a lot of people have a similar story to mine. Yeah, and also I see that uh, normally you um, all the um, almost all the um, podcasts which I listen to are probably a couple of them. Um, again, it's um, all the other pathologists uh, from the people from the world of pathology whom you communicate to. But if there is a youngster, uh, what advice would you give? a young physician out there who's aspiring to become a pathologist? Um, you know, there are, we always need more pathologists. There's a shortage of pathologists. There's a real big shortage of forensic pathologists. And it's it's a great field. I mean, I get to see interesting, interesting things every single day. Uh, where I work now, Wisconsin Diagnostic Laboratories, it's a, we're affiliated with a major uh, cancer center. And so we see, it's incredible, the, the complexity of the specimens that we get. Um, and, and I love it. I love working there. And it's, it's just a really great field to be in. Um, I, I, mean, okay. I, can't, I can't recommend it enough. Oh, okay. So, I mean, um, though at the beginning of your career, it was more of the necessity for getting the work done, which made you get into this again, there is a huge need always, again, uh, it's an ocean full of opportunities worldwide, not right. only in US for uh, anybody who needs to become, uh, or anybody who is aspiring to become a pathologist. So thank you so much for sharing the insights. And again, people would be always wondering, uh, there are no jobs, there is no work, and people would be always complaining online that nobody's hiring them. But there is great opportunity for youngsters who would like to put in that dedication or that commitment or little effort mm -hmm. um, to get their licensure. Like, do we have a licensure exam like the way 
other social workers complete uh, or put in that extra work? Not for pathologist assistants. We have a certification exam. Um, we're certified through, it's called ASCP, the American Society for Clinical Pathology, um, which most other lab professions are certified through them also. So it's not, it's not a license. It's like, it's a, a national certification. Okay. Um, yeah. So have you done any locums, uh, Dennis? I haven't. Um, that would probably be, I mean, I've got a steady full-time job right now, you know, maybe, Okay. Sometimes in the future, you know, nearing retirement or something like that. But um, I know a lot of people that do, uh, and they are not hurting for work. You know, there's always there's always a need for for a pathologist assistant or any any kind of lab uh, position. There's a, there's always a need. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe that uh, uh, retirement is something which uh, which is like. Uh, on our daily um, uh, work, maybe something which we love doing every single day. I guess we can call it retirement because we love doing it. It doesn't feel like work uh, day in and day out. I mean, uh, that's kind of my perspective. But sure. um, if, if, if there is any myth about uh, this particular industry or profession uh, that you want to debunk, um, is there anything which you'd like to debunk? Yes, there, there is uh, the myth that people in the lab or even pathologists in general are introverts, they're, you know, socially inept, things like that, which is not the case. Uh, the, a lot of the pathologists I know are the funniest people I've ever met. Uh, they've got the most personality. The ones that I work with, you know, now for the past three years, they're great and um you know, I, I get along with them very well. So that's, that's one of the things, you know, pathology is often in the tucked away in the basement of the hospital, you know, kind of away from everything else. And it, you know, it has that sort of reputation, uh, but it's, it's fun people to work with. I, I, I love the people that I work with. Yeah. I guess a couple of the social skills come from playing the guitar or probably listening to music or, Again, uh, you are absolutely right. Um, people think that uh, lab uh, lab people are probably um, anybody in the world of pathology or being a pathology assistant. They spend most of the time alone with the devices or with the right. body tissues and all that. But definitely, it's kind of therapy, I would say, like kind of meditation. Because when you are meditating or when you are in therapy, you are all alone by yourself. Probably that could be healing or it could be anything. Mm -hmm. You get lots of time for yourself. That's biggest advantage because I see people in sales. I see people in marketing that they're already, uh, they're always disturbed by too many things, too many notifications, too many things to stay away from. It's like there's so much of noise. There's so much of distraction and um, people are unable to concentrate. I guess um, being a pathologist assistant, uh, the world uh, probably this particular profession is like, it could be a blessing for a few because uh, they have their own time apart from doing what they love. They have most um, ideal time, I would say. So had did you face any failures or um, as you were going through your career, probably in the first five years, 10 years, 
Did you have a tough pass or were there any failures with your profession? Uh, are there any things which you learned from it? Oh, certainly the first, you know, the, those training years, the first three were very difficult. I mean, I, I had to learn a, a lot of, a lot of things I had to learn, you know, I, I had like an, a knowledge of basic anatomy, but I had to learn really specific things and, you know, how, how to dissect certain organs and what kind of sections that you needed to take and things like that. So I, I had to learn everything. And, and I think everybody, you know, even if you're going through the, the master's program now, you, you, that's, that's part of, that's part of learning the job and just the, uh, the volume of, and, and the variety of things that you will see and have to know how to handle. Um, and even now, I mean, you know, 18 years in, I, I'm still learning more things because, you know, the standards change in the way you, for example, staging of, of a cancer specimen that, that can change over time as you learn more, you know, there's more research and molecular techniques and th things like that. Things change over time and you constantly have to keep up with, with those changes oh so it's really mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. uh, i thought it was one of the easiest jobs because you've been doing the same thing again and again <laughs> and again but, i mean partially uh, yeah partially they don't you know details change but the basic basic procedures and things like that 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 pretty much stays the same oh okay thank you thank you for sharing that and uh are there any great resources that have uh, helped you uh, along the way apart from, I know YouTube or Google is one of the greatest resources, but do you have anything um, anything specific like people people of pathology, I guess it's all podcast, but are there any other resources which you would like to share with anybody who's aspiring to be out there? Uh, yes, there. So you, you mentioned the people and actually the people that the other pathologist assistants that I have met and that I know, they've been a great, great resource for me. In fact, uh, about a year into my training, they hired another uh, pathologist assistant. She was program trained um, and she was she was great. I learned a lot from her um, and, and we're still we're still good friends. So that that's one. Um, and the the organization that I belong to, the American Association of Pathologist Assistants, that's a great resource. Um, we have, um, there's like a, a grossing, uh, it's called the grossing guidelines. So it's like a standard of how to, how to handle different types of specimens, which is a project that I was, I was, I'm partially involved with, but that's a great resource for, because it constantly gets updated as things change. And then you can, you can read about the changes um, and different things you need to do uh, to accommodate those things. So that's another resource. There's all kinds of, you know, manuals and things like, things like that. Um, okay. You know, I was, I was just searching for this American association of pathologist assistants. I guess yeah. this is the one. Yeah, there it is. Um, another great resource actually. And early on and, and still now to a certain extent is uh, Twitter. So the pathology, oh. Pathology community on Twitter is huge, and that's really? how mm -hmm, that's how I found a lot of the, my guests uh, early on, uh, and uh, I, you know I still do. And you can learn uh, a, a lot from from the people there. A lot of pathologists, there's a lot of pathologist assistants, various other people, and um, it, you know they have uh, 
kind of monthly journal clubs, they call them for different specialties. I guess they're virtual journal clubs where you kind of meet together at the same time and discuss a particular journal article and things like that. People put up, you know, photos of the week or photo of the day or whatever, and you can discuss, you know, what do you think this is? What's the diagnosis? Things like that. So it's, a, there's a lot to be learned from that. Okay, so this this reminds me of the next question, which I'm just seeing on the screen. So, um, uh, so this is 2023. This is way forward. Oh God, this is like, so they've planned like two years ahead. There is an annual spring meeting for uh, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I guess that's way too forward. I I was expecting right. sometime in May 2021, but <laughs> we actually have um, well there there are three planned meetings through the AAPA. So there's the spring one, like you're showing there, we had the fall one is the big one. And then it was supposed to start this year, the summer meeting, but that had to be postponed till next year, you know, because oh, okay. of, you know, COVID and whatnot. I mean, this is, this is such a vibrant community. I've never seen, uh, uh, I mean, uh, of all the other physicians uh, whom we had interviewed, in fact, almost all, all of them, uh, be it National Association of Social Workers or be it physicians from, with family medicine background or uh, be it other clinicians, I, I see this particular community is quite vibrant. Uh, yep. And also everybody's um, uh, raising out their voice or opinion or helping the community members. Uh, okay, sorry about the wind in the background, but this is, this is amazing. Uh, so with... I mean, that brings me to uh, the next question uh, for the day, uh, for this particular show right now. Who are the most uh, three influential people uh, in your life? I mean, for past four decades or five decades, whatever, I would say four decades. Um, Who are the most three, um, three most influential people in your life so far? So far, you mean like it professionally or personal life or, or, or both? Uh, I guess both would be an interesting answer because both normally we pick parents always. Uh, sure. Um, it, it would be great if you could answer both uh, professionally and personally. I mean, all right. I'll, you know, definitely my parents. I mean, they were supportive of me along the way. They still are. You know, I, I told them about this thing tonight <laughs> and they're very excited <laughs> about it. So thank you. Um, so that kind of, that kind of thing, uh, you know, my, my wife for sure. I mean, she is, she's a dental hygienist and oh, okay. Yeah. Which she went to school for, you know, in the time that we've been married. So I got to see her kind of pursue this goal for herself. And, you know, she's, she's as passionate about dentistry as I am about pathology. So it's interesting for the two of us to talk and have similar experiences in our jobs. I mean, she loves what she does as, as much as I do. Um, so, so that one. Um, and there was a pathologist early on that w when I was training, uh, his name is uh, Phil Harity. And he um, kind of took me under his wing and was, you know, said, okay, you're going um, to, you're going to, I'm going to make sure that you learn all of the the things that you need to know. Um, and, and he did, and he was a really nice guy and I could always go to him with questions and things like that. And he eventually, uh, left and, you know, I wasn't even finished training yet. He, he moved, uh, back to Michigan 
And oh, okay. he came back to visit us one day. And in that time I had finished the training and taken the exam, uh, you know, and, and passed and had the, had the certification then. And he came back and we, you know, we all went out for a drink or whatever. And I said, you know, Dr. Herity, I'm, I, you know, I passed my exam. I'm a, I'm a real PA now. And he said, and I'll never forget this. He said, you always were, you just didn't have the credentials yet. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he already had seen that uh, strength of probably those flying colors. It's only the probably piece of paper which would uh, allow us to work. Okay. Right. I could. That's amazing. I mean, normally the mentors would foresee uh, what we would come up with. It's like probably we, we may not call it being Nostradamus or uh, predicting the future. Mm -hmm. But again, um, either it's your mother, uh, probably it's it's a mom or uh, it's uh, probably it's a parent or probably it's a mentor or teacher from uh, high school or somebody from college or it could be uh, somebody who mentored us during the initial days of our job, somebody right. who could predict what we could be uh, uh, in the long run. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing the... Uh, do we have any other uh, influential people whom we need to highlight or speak about? I mean, there's, there's so many and it's still, <laughs> you know, still happens to this day. I meet people, I learn things from them. Um, it, it, yeah, that, that that's an endless list. So and, if he, if, yeah, I'm sorry, please continue. Oh, I was going to say, uh, you know, even uh, people that I interview uh, on the podcast, uh, some of them I, you know, I've become friends with and they're, you, you know, they, they have an influence on me as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, so all these other friends or colleagues or uh, co-workers or again, um, uh, well-wishers, um, even if, even if you had to do a uh, hundred, five hundred or thousand podcasts, what is the problem which you're most passionate about, uh, uh, solving? What is the problem which you're trying to solve here? I want, uh, one of the major reasons, reasons for starting the podcast was to bring attention to these different areas, these different, uh, fields pathology. You know, I talked with histotechs, cytotechs, pathologists, forensic pathologists, all different areas of forensic science. And I want to bring attention to these areas because, you know, when I was in high school, in college and things like that, a lot of these things I never heard of. And I feel like if I had, you know, I might, I'd be doing those, those different things. And so, um, that's that that's something that i really am am passionate okay. about doing and that's why i keep going with the podcast so it's like kind of creating more of awareness so that uh, the people in the early education mm -hmm. know the opportunities or know what can uh, work out for their career um, again right. many people miss out on the opportunities because they are not aware of it or they didn't have somebody who could guide them okay that's awesome yeah. Mm -hmm. So if, if again, as you mentioned, um, you missed on those opportunities. If so, if there is an advice for uh, Dennis at the age of 15 or Dennis at the age of 20, what advice you would give to your younger self? Uh, pay attention more in the histology unit in, in the biology class. <laughs> that, <laughs> okay. no, um, because, it, you know, it turned out that was the... Uh, 
that was the information I really could have used. Um, no, I don't know. It, you know, everybody says follow your passion and things like that. And for me, this was something that when I got into the field, it was just because I needed a job and I learned to love it later. I mean, not much later, but later. So I think that's one thing, like if you have an interest in something, check it out, follow it, see where it goes. And, and if it works for you, great. And if you learn to love it even better, and if it doesn't work out, then, you know, do something else. And that's not, that's not an option for everybody, but if you can do it, uh, I, I think you should. Okay. That's good. That's good. Again, uh, when you mentioned passion, it, this reminds me of the next question around, uh, guitar being your passion. I would, uh, probably I could visualize myself, Dennis, being a rock star. Um, oh, yeah. But you have to give me a different answer for this question. What would you do with your career apart from uh, being a pathology assistant or being a rock star? Okay. Um, I actually just recently I talked with a forensic artist. And that's, I, and I said to her, you know, if I had known about this career when I was in high school, that's probably what I would be now because I was, I, I, I loved art. I loved you know, drawing and, and painting and things like that. Um, so probably that's what I would be doing. I'd be, an, I think I would be an artist. I, I, wow. I wanted to be like a cartoonist for a while too, which never panned out, but something like that. Wow. Or, this, yeah. Or definitely a I mean, rock star. Yeah. This also reminds me of, uh, another physician. Um, I guess uh, he 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 does lots of cartoon characters uh, among other clinicians and whatever uh, which is not being spoken about in the world of um, uh, hospitalization or in the healthcare sector. Normally, he would create caricatures or he would cartoon them and he would put a dialogue around them, like um, uh, like like these comics. Okay, so. That's amazing. I mean, um, that I mean, your answer reminds me of that particular person. So probably this would be the last question for the day. In fact, we can go on and on. Um, but um, if you had hundred million dollars to oh, spend boy. on health tech, be it artificial intelligence. In fact, we were supposed to speak about the use of artificial intelligence in the uh -huh. pathology world. Um, would you like to speak about that? Normally, I do not have much knowledge uh, with AI being used in the world of pathology, but do you have anything to highlight before I pop up this question on the screen? I, if, if I had $100 million? No, I mean, um, or, uh, again, or, with, okay. artificial, with, with respect to artificial intelligence um, okay. being used for the world of pathology. Yeah, there's quite a bit. Um, it's not wide, not in widespread use right now, but there's a lot of things on the horizon that are really interesting. Um, it's it's funny though. I, I read something just the other day where it said in medicine it shouldn't be artificial intelligence, but augmented intelligence, okay. because yeah. because it doesn't it doesn't replace the doctor, um, you know, or or the person, but it helps. It it, it like increases their knowledge or helps their abilities that kind of thing so and and that made a lot of sense to me and, and it's especially true in pathology um 
you know, we use voice recognition software. That's a form of AI. Um, but there's a lot of things in the image analysis area that are, you know, they're not approved for use, most of them. And it's, but it's, it's fascinating just the potential for these things. And I think definitely within my career, I'll, I'll see this, all of these things start to become more, more used. And it's, it's oh, amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, augmented reality then, uh, apart from being the virtual uh, reality or the VR, again, right. the augmented reality or the VR, uh, artificial intelligence and all that. So coming back to the question, which I missed as in, um, if you had 100 million to spend on health tech, be it in terms of pathology and no red tape, how would you spend it? Okay, I, I've actually thought about this one. Uh I would, so there's a sort of a subfield of pathology, digital pathology, which is you you scan the slides and they become digital images and you can view them on a computer screen instead of under, in a microscope. Um, And if I had a hundred million dollars, what I would do is develop this technology so that it could be used in remote areas. There are a lot of countries and, and I'm learning about this as I interview people from uh, Africa and India and, you know, other countries, uh, South America, things like that, where in the remote areas, there aren't any pathologists. Yeah, very true. Right. So you've got, if you've got this sort of, uh, slide imaging software or device or whatever, um, you could, you could go to these remote places and, image these slides, you'd have to, of course, create the slides and pretty much probably create a whole lab, but you could do it and then transmit the images to a pathologist in, you know, in the US or, or wherever, England, you know, and then they could make a diagnosis for someone that's, you know, on the other side of the world. So that's, that's what I would do with that kind of money, create, um, create the technology that could be used to do that kind of thing, to bring uh, pathology diagnosis to more people. Yeah. And I was just, uh, when you mentioned digital pathology, yeah. I was just checking if, if there is an association or probably something. Uh, there sure is. And that is, yeah, digital pathology association. And this is actually the need or probably this is where the future is going to. We all know about information technology. We know about artificial intelligence uh, we know about um, again the field of computer science which is evolving uh, on every single day basis uh, but everybody in rural healthcare uh, probably people in the remote areas they do not have access to um, this particular uh, invention or probably many many in India for sure I know for the mm-hmm. fact that even to get my CBP or if I, even if I need to get my reports done I need to go a couple of miles and if I am in my town or even if I am in my village or the place where I was born and brought up I'm sure there's no access for something uh, which is portable and which is like uh, thank you so much Dennis I was expecting um, probably uh, like Dennis Strength University or probably Dennis School of Pathology or something like that but well that would be the other thing like I I had thought about this one too like uh, through the, if the podcast grows as big as I'd like it to grow, uh, you, you know, to, to sponsor some scholarships yeah. for 
you know, pathologists, pathologist assistants, uh, you know, other people in, in the laboratory field, things like that. So that's what, that, that would be probably second. Yeah, that's awesome. Again, the crowdfunding part, um, mm -hmm. which is like, um, which is good. Um, uh, I, again, this, this, this last sentence, which you mentioned also reminds me about, um, uh, uh, this particular, I had, I wanted to share this because these guys uh, had been through crowdfunding. Uh, LinkedIn founder, um, I mean, the one who created LinkedIn, Jeff, Jeff Weiner, he also is one of the investors. I don't know if you heard about this couple. Um, they've created this curl mix, which uh, raised over 100, uh, I mean, $1 million within uh, four hours. This is like in through crowdfunding. Wow. Um, so they had been through, they, they ran a campaign for a V-Funder. I wanted to share this with you because um, that is true. This is absolutely possible um, with pathologists worldwide, with pathologist assistants or people in research, uh, everybody. Uh, so if you go to V-Funder Curl Mix, you can see that this um, these guys, they uh, declined the offer on the uh, Shark Tank series. Oh wow! Okay, they, they've been offered twenty-five million um, on Shark Tank, uh, which is like twenty-five percent. Uh, they had they had an amazing um, uh, story. Um, I mean, both the couple right out of college. Mm -hmm. uh, he 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 also uh, won hundred thousand on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Um, so nice. this is these guys. A very true story. Just, just like any teenager out there, uh, this is this is this reminds me um, that definitely after with whatever the uh, episodes which you are doing, let it be hundred episodes or uh, two hundred episodes or three hundred, five hundred episodes. I could certainly feel that you will be able to crowdfund. I'll I'll ping you this particular link. This amazing story, inspirational, quite inspirational. Okay. Um, I mean, going through that definitely would give great ideas for you and your uh, spouse in the field of dental, um, um, being uh, den as a dentist, uh, you mentioned, right? So uh, I'm a little pumped up. Um, I'm getting mixed with too many thoughts, but thank you so much, Dennis. This, this is an awesome conversation which I had with you. It's been uh, quite a long time that I never had such a deep conversation with any other physician out there. But thank you so much for sharing all the details. And for anybody who is watching the replay, do share your feedback. We will also create small bites of this entire podcast and share it over social media. And is there anything which you want to share, Dennis, as a last minute, or probably you want to share any any other details which we have missed? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, if, if anybody is interested in and being a pathologist assistant and being, you know, in the field that I'm in, um, you know, definitely like you showed that the AAPA website, definitely check that out. Uh, it, it's, it's a great field. I, I love it. And there's, there's, uh, still such a demand for us and the field keeps expanding into new opportunities. So I, I, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. And uh, yeah. I guess people can always reach you by just Googling people of pathology, right? Yep. That's right. I, I mean, there's nobody out there 
uh, with the word people of pathology such great keywords not. <laughs> and there's nobody out there i mean i was just i just googled pe people of pathology and the first thing in india which pops up is uh, your twitter handle or probably the linkedin again the people of pathology podcast and trust right. me for all the listeners out there if you are listening to direct shift stories uh, for over a year in fact we, in the past probably six months ago we had few openings uh, on direct shifts with couple of our clients everybody looking out for pathologists and pathologist assistant and we never though i ping uh, dozens of pathologists over linkedin everybody said they're too busy they don't have time and um, thank you so much dennis for accepting our invite and for sharing your journey with us um, and for sharing all the insights oh you're welcome Raj. Uh, this, this was, i appreciate the invitation this was a lot of fun Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you with another episode of Direct Shift Stories. Thank you all for tuning in. Bye-bye.